So if I'm feeling stuck, there's this thing I want to do, but I can't quite get there. What is it that, um, what is the fear? Um, what is it that I think will change in my life if I get to that thing? And does that change in my life if I get unstuck? Is it scary? Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. Thank you for listening. I'm also excited to say that my guest today is Nicole Lewis-Kieber. Okay, I'm doing a little fangirl, fangirling out. (laughs) Um, I've been familiar with her work for over a year now, and I'm thrilled that she joined me to talk about her journey from therapist to business coach. You see, Nicole is an expert in helping business owners understand how unaddressed trauma can hold them back in their business. We talk about the sneaky ways that trauma can show up and about how she learned to set strong boundaries in her life, thanks in large part to getting certified in Brene Brown's Dare to Lead program. Hey, you know, even if you're not a business owner, I think there's so much that you're going to learn from Nicole and her journey. You see, after many years in practice as a therapist, Nicole realized that something was off. It was time for her to make a change. She stepped away from her practice, worked another job, and took some time to think about her next steps. And it took time, but she stayed open and curious and finally found the path that she's on today. She's now been featured on numerous media outlets, including Fast Company and NPR, for her work in breaking the stigma of mental health and business ownership. I can't wait for you to meet her. But before we do, I want to mention something, especially if you're new to the podcast. I'm wondering how you're doing. I'm wondering if you have a project on the back burner or are itching for more out of life. I'm guessing the answer might be yes, because here you are. Maybe you keep thinking about finally getting in shape or finally writing that book and can't seem to make yourself take the steps to make it happen. You just feel stuck. I created a free guide for you designed to help you start taking the steps towards your next act. It's a workbook. It's called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. And you can sign up to receive it as an email series with practical exercises that you can use over the course of several weeks to get past that stuck feeling. You can do this at your own pace as they'll be waiting for you in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. And I'll remind you at the end of the episode and tell you where to sign up if you're interested. Okie dokie, without further ado, here's Nicole Lewis-Kieber. Let's go. All right, Nicole. I'm so glad you're here. I am too. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you, man. Um, I always like to say where I found people and uh, here we go. What works? Love Mm -hmm. Tara. Love the Monday huddle. Just amazing connection. Um, I've been 
watching you, I feel like interact with Tara for the longest time. And so I'm slightly starstruck by you, I will say, because <laughs> I love, I love your approach. I love, and what's nice too, is that even though there's a little bit of starstruck, you're just so nice and approachable that every time, you know, every time I see an interaction with you, I'm like, oh, she's so, you know, you just, I just think you're, you know, the bee's knees. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm very happy to have you here, obviously. So, um, man, where do we start? You were a therapist mm -hmm. and you have taken a turn and with your business and, and all tied into your life too. Right. So what I'm going to do is have you go back and find, for, you know, define for us, what was the germ of flipping your business away from therapy to doing the coaching, the business coaching that you're doing now, that's so still tied in to your background mm -hmm. as a therapist. Um, so yeah. I'll let you, let you roll with it for a second. Yeah, I think I think that with many people, we come to a point where the BS, you know, the BS that we're in <laughs> gets further, gets above our nose, and we can't breathe anymore. We have to make a decision, and that's kind of where it was with me. Um, because my last job, and I'm putting in air quotes, was as a clinical supervisor for the methadone clinic here in Lancaster, where I live. Ooh, wow. Yes. So I was doing that. I was still seeing private clients, you know, for my therapy. And I was physically unable to keep that up. I was having weird symptoms, you know, kind of like that burnout that we all hear about. And so it wasn't sustainable for me anymore. And so I had to make a choice what to do because, you know, in the social work world and, and a lot of service delivery type of uh, arenas like therapy and we aren't really taught how to take care of ourselves. You know, it's mm -hmm. all primarily focused on the client and the patient and, you know, getting people through. And um, it wasn't a sustainable model for me anymore. And so I took a step back from it, but I also still wanted to work with people because that's what my entire focus in my life has been to help people, you know, begin to change their trajectory too, whether it was in therapy or as a, as a clinical supervisor for other counselors to help them see what their potential is. And so I tried to figure out what, well, okay, so how could I still do this and not feel completely, you know, burnt out? Um, and that's when I had worked with my own life coach and as a therapist who has been in therapy and then to work with a life coach, like that's a step out of a comfort zone because I have to say as therapists, there's a little bit of, you know, <laughs> a little bit of eyebrow raising about the whole coaching world, <laughs> maybe a little bit less now. And I feel like I have some part in that, but you know, six years yeah. ago, it was like, mm. Mm -hmm. so, but I saw what was available to be able to help people reach a goal, change their perspective, you know, do some really good work within that, you know, um, life coaching sessions that I had. And so I was like, I really like this. Like, I'd like to try this myself. And so the first certification program that came up for me was like the most, you know, the one that was in my price point and was happening right away was to do money mindset coaching. And so, and I really liked the focus of this program because she was talking about how not just money mindset tricks, but kind of like how 
paradigm shifts around money, you know, and who gets to have it and who doesn't. And, mm-hmm. and I knew I needed that because I had taken a vow of poverty as a social worker. I mean, let's be honest. So <laughs> I really had. Um, and so I was like, well, I think this will help me and I can help other people. And it did, it changed everything. And so I started a business as a money mindset coach. And what was really interesting is that the people who were attracted to working with me were business owners. They were entrepreneurial And I think the fact that I had been a therapist gave them permission to look at some of their own personal challenges through the lens of their business, because it was there, it was worth it to do the work for their business, right? Maybe they haven't, hadn't gotten there Mm. to it being worth it to do for themselves. Mm, Yes. Isn't it funny how we need to hang our worth on something mm-hmm. outside ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And so, and so they, that's who I started working with. And we began to make the connection between trauma and money. Um, and then I furthered that connection to start to see the intersection of my own business where childhood trauma was actually playing out in the relationship I had with my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it just changed everything that I saw as we don't drop our baggage, if you want to call it that, at the door, we start a business that we bring all of the experiences that we've had, like all the strengths and the challenges and the you know, internal worthiness and the you know, ability, like all those things get jumbled up and they come with us when we start a business. And so what I do now is I really uh, help people understand the impact of childhood trauma on their business. And it was something I went through. I helped my clients with. Um, you and I met in what works and I had a coffee one day with Tara and Shannon, who's the, who are both, you know, mm-hmm. Tara's the, um, I guess, founder of What Works, and Shannon's her right-hand person. Right, and community manager. She does yeah. amazing work. She's, She's an amazing all, human. So, right, yeah, really. Love her. Really, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. was in that moment of shift from money mindset coaching to trauma and entrepreneurship. And I remember I was talking about it because Tara's like, what are you doing? What's up in your business? And I told her, I said, I'm really want to do this work, but I feel like I keep being told by people that I shouldn't use the word trauma because it scares people that I should call it something else, but it's not something else. (laughs) It is literally the thing. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, she's like, use the word your people, people will identify with it. And she said, it's what you're passionate about. So you can't fail at it. So go Mm, for it. mm. Right. And so ever since then, the focus of my business in some way has been exploring the impact of childhood trauma on entrepreneurship, leadership, and business owners. So all that to say, this is where we are. (laughs) Right. I mean, what did I, I saw something recently that was like, if if you want to really get to know yourself as a human being, become an entrepreneur, because it's going to bring up all that stuff. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I see right? what they mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's crazy, you know, oh boy, oh boy, it really does b- bring it all right into your face. Yeah. Um, wow. What a, what a journey. So, when, so you were burned out mm-hmm. and then you decide, I love that you just, you know, that you have that, comp- that love Tara because she'll, she'll cut through it and say, just use the word you want to use, mm-hmm. right? Amazing. So, so how did that transform your experience going forward into coaching by, by I, owning that word? I think it, I, it allowed me to own my expertise, right? Because I was trying to keep my clinical background very separate. 
from what I was doing. Mm. And it was impossible to do so because, you know, as I said, we don't drop our baggage at the door and we start a business. But the thing is, is that when you're entrepreneurial, when you start a business, it does. It's a high dive into personal development, whether you like it or not. And so a lot of the voices in personal development at that point were really mindset oriented. And I also, I often saw mindset being used as a weapon in the coaching industry because mm. people would say, you just need to shift your mindset or you're not available to an expansive experience, like all this language. And, mm. and the people that I was working with were saying, you have really tried all these things and they're not working for me. And I feel bad about it. So they were having shame mm-hmm. about the mindset tricks, not working for them. And they, they couldn't work for them because they had trauma that was unresolved that was showing up in their business. And I was like, it's not supposed to work for you. And so there was just no way to not use that word because what it required me to do, which I do almost every day in my business is to define what trauma is and help people begin to see that. Yeah. That thing that's not working for me isn't working because I have unresolved trauma from my childhood that I didn't see was trauma. I was just going to ask you, does, is there anybody who doesn't have childhood trauma? I have not met anyone yet, whether (laughs) I really haven't, you know, whether it is the systems around us that other you out, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you don't, you're in a, your lived experiences is in a minority and a majority system. Like that's trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are neurodivergent within neurotypical society, that is trauma. Um, you know, I grew up having a learning difference. And so every day I went to school into a classroom and with a teacher who did not know how to teach me or I didn't feel like I belonged because Mm -hmm. I didn't learn the same way. Mm -hmm. That's drama. Um, moving around a lot and always being the new kid and having to assimilate yourself and, and, you know, abandon the individuality of yourself to fit in. That is trauma. So I, I have not met anyone yet who doesn't have some version of an event that had an effect on them that changes how they see themselves. And so then they behave and act in a way to try and mitigate that. And I, Mm -hmm. I just haven't. Um, But the problem is, is that these are seemingly insignificant experiences that we as a culture have diminished and overlooked and do not define as trauma. And so therefore people feel bad about having that experience that happened when they were eight, still showing up for them when they're 30, right? So they internalize that shame around it. When the truth is, is that you went through a traumatic experience, but there was no availability for you to be able to kind of complete the trauma cycle, so to speak, because it was minimized and diminished and your feelings were not validated because we as culture don't see those experiences as trauma. We just see them as you just had a bad childhood or everybody had a hard time at school. You think you're, you know, you think you're special, (laughs) particularly if you're in the generation I am, which is like this Gen X (laughs) generation, like we're rough and tumble. (laughs) Like, you know, there's a little bit of a, a badge of pride of like, we survived our childhoods. What are you talking about? We're badasses. So <laughs> yeah, they yeah. talk about free range childhoods now. <laughs> and that's like what we had. <laughs> right. Yes, I think I yes. was walking to school by myself in second grade, you know, I'm like, and I, I think about it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Same. <laughs> same not only did we raise ourselves but we survived it you know so it's like it's really hard sometimes to get people to see that yeah but your inner eight-year-old is still struggling with what happened in that cafeteria or on the walk home or you know Mm -hmm. um so I think like I think we need to call a thing a thing and that's part of what I do in my business is calling a thing a thing and to say this is what trauma actually is yes you actually experience that and so when you have a hard time trusting 
an employee or, you know, a client signs on for a really big project. And the next thing you know, you're out of scope trying to do more for them than they asked for because you're afraid they're going to leave. All of those things can be very well traced back to experiences that we had in our formative years that are still playing out in our nervous system and kind of in our patterning as adults now. So if I don't call it trauma, then I'm doing it a disservice. And so I'm so thankful for, for Tara that day to say, no, call it what it is. And, and for her to give me her audience um, for so many, over, you know, so many times over the years to talk about these things. And I've seen that I've seen a transition and a change in that community because of that conversation and the way that she does business because of that conversation. And I just think that when we allow people to tell something that's true, we open up capacity. So that's why I keep fighting for it now. Yeah. Wow. You've said so much that's kind of blowing my mind right now. And the the whole idea of using mindset as, um, what did you say? As a weapon. weapon. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that you can, like how how can you get through this like is there a way to use mindset or mindfulness or anything to to still to do this do you have to go to therapy like what how do you deal with childhood trauma if everybody has it and I Mm -hmm. think you're on to something there I do um yeah I think normalizing going to therapy you know taking mm -hmm. the stigma out of it um because we all need some support that doesn't have emotional conditions to it. Mm-hmm. Like I have the best friends in the world. Like, uh, you know, the majority of my, my friends are coaches and they do personal development. Like they really, really do. Um, and we can have really deep conversations and I still need someone who's mine, you know, that doesn't have an emotional buy-in to what I have to say about myself in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, normalizing, utilizing therapists, um, it's going to be helpful, like destigmatizing it. Um, it's part of the work I do in my, my programs is to help business owners understand that, okay, so your trauma is coming into your business. You need to recognize that. You need to see in the ways in which it does. But you also need to understand how it's showing up for your clients. So this client that's resistant, maybe they're not doing, let's say you're a business coach and you have this client and they have a business and they're not doing their homework or they're not doing the things that you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. I often hear in this world of coaching and personal development where clients will get fired because they're not ready or they're not compliant or they're whatever. And my question is, if you could see that that client might have some childhood trauma showing up that's keeping them and resistant to the tasks that you're asking them to do, because you're putting in a, a business solution on an emotional challenge and that's never going to work. What could change in that relationship that you already have established with that client? If you could see that trauma might be showing up here, it could be a referral to a therapist. It could be having a different conversation with them and saying, I'm noticing that you're gung ho when I give you all these solutions. Uh, But then we come back together again in two weeks and you haven't really had any movement on that. And I'm really curious about that. And I'm wondering, are you telling me what I want to hear in our session? You know, where is it for between, you know, you, you're excited about this idea and then you go to put it in place. You know, what's happening for you there? And I think that there is some trust that's built between that coach and that client. If that was part of the conversation that could be built on, 
right? And that, that maybe there could be a conversation there and that they could be a service, but they need to understand that trauma is in the room and they often don't and they, they personalize it. And then let's, you know, that client's gotten fired. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, see, I'm, I'm not a coach. Um, I, I, you know, I, every now and again, I think, oh, should I go get certified to coach? I don't know. But if I were a coach and I, I'm just putting myself in that position, imagination wise, and somebody presents in front of me who I think may have some trauma, I would feel completely out of my depth mm-hmm. to go there with them, you know? Um, so yeah, like, so that would you, in that case, just recommend if somebody doesn't have the training that they just say, Hey, this may be something you want to deal with, with somebody mm-hmm. who has the qualifications to, to do that. Do, yeah. Would you say, Hey, maybe we take a break while you deal with that. Mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah. Yeah, all those scenarios, it could be taking a break, it could be a really stellar intake process where you refer out because and you have all these therapists over here that you really trust and like to be able to refer people to, yeah. um, to say, you know what, I think that there's a few things that you need to work through before our time together will be beneficial. And I really want it to be, you know, there's so many ways to approach this. And there are also times where, you know, I work with people and they have a therapist and we work in tandem. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also an option. And, and whether you're a business owner, a coach, a teacher, I think that if you are working with human beings, you need to at least be trauma informed in some way to understand that the thing that's in front of you that's confusing, is it resistance and obstinance or is it an actual trauma response? Mm-hmm. And um, the book, the most recent book by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry called What Happened to You? Oh really my gosh. Begin- As we were talking, I was thinking about Oprah's mm-hmm. thing where she thinks, you know, instead of thinking what's wrong with you, mm-hmm. what happened to you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And whether you're in medical profession, you're a teacher, you're a parent, you're a coach, you're a therapist, it doesn't matter. When you're dealing with humans, trauma is definitely in the room. And so the more trauma informed we can be, or I say trauma conscious, I think the, the easier it is for us to help people then get where they need to go. And that's why I was talking about earlier that mindset's often used as a weapon to say, well, you know, you're just not ready for this. And so that becomes exclusive. And then the client's like pushed out because mm. they're not ready for a mindset shift, right? Mm. Mindfulness can be really alarming and, and activating to a nervous system that's been traumatized. And so rather than being curious about it, oftentimes they just will dismiss the client as being problematic. Mm. Right. And so I, this is why I bang this drum of trauma informed or trauma conscious entrepreneurs or trauma conscious human beings is important. It really is important. And you would recommend that book as a stepping stone, the Oprah. Absolutely. What was the name of it again? It's called what happened to you. What happened? Okay, great. Yeah. That's easy to remember. I think if you're a human being, you should read that book. If you're a parent, if you are tasked with being in care of some other human reading that book or listening to it, I think is super helpful. Great. I will put that in the show notes as a link so people can uh, find that, check it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. So, so much, so much richness to talk about. You were in your forties when you decided to make the change from therapy to coaching, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you would say, looking back on it now, like, how long was your journey from the time you realized, uh, I call it feeling stuck, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
you're, you're there and, and you're just stuck. And I'm sure there was like a processing time before you realized this is overwhelmed. This doesn't work for me. I need to move on and I'm going to go become a coach. How long was that process for you? What was that like? Oh gosh, I would say probably a good six years because what happened was um, I got married again Mm -hmm. and recognized some childhood trauma showing up in that relationship. So I went to see a therapist who was a Mm -hmm. therapist for therapists, (laughs) right? (laughs) So I started that internal work on, um, you know, healing some of those traumas that was impacting that relationship. And then because of that work, I began to see that, you know, the job I was in was not sustainable for me and it was showing up physically. Mm-hmm. So I began to look at, you know, after we ruled out everything, I wasn't having a stroke. I didn't have MS. <laughs> like I literally was having, you know, um, physical somatic reactions to the stress I was under. Right. Uh, I hear and that I began over and over. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I recognized it. Um, and I was no longer willing to accept that because of the work I had done. And I began to look for options for myself to leave. And so I didn't jump directly from that job into coaching. I actually took a job with um, a Medicaid contract in Mississippi that I could work from home to do. This was back when working from home was rare mm-hmm. um, because I needed some space. And so I did that for a year. Um, and that's when I was working with the life coach and I literally put out into the universe. I was like, gosh, I really wish this job would, would like lay me off. (laughs) So I could have like a good four months of just, you know, I'll just file an employment. (laughs) I just want to be laid off so I can just regroup. Right. Mm -hmm. Literally within a month, I got laid off because they laid off all of us. Anyone who was not in Mississippi, we got laid off. So I was laid off from this job and then I had that room to, go through the money mindset coaching program, take some time um, and begin to work towards starting my own business. You know, so there was a time frame that happened. Um, it did not happen all at once because readiness is important, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready. And even with all that readiness of doing that therapy around trauma and my, my relationships, it still showed up in my business because who's looking for trauma in their business? So, <laughs> right. Right. And so, what are you doing was, here? <laughs> right? Like what? <laughs> What are you doing here? But it was good because it was a good thing because it, it literally is the foundation of the work I do now. Like, so it was a progression that needed to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And during that time, I started um, reading Brene Brown's books because she was a fellow social worker. Um, and I really, you know, The Gifts of Imperfection, what a beautiful book. And just from there, you know, I started to study her. Mm-hmm. Um And so, you know, I think sometimes people think it's just, you know, overnight, it's not, it's an unveiling healing happens in the small moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we make space for it, then we can begin to see what those next steps are for us. And for me, you know, it was studying Brene Brown. It was, you know, getting certified as money mindset coach and starting to do that. And then following the thread, you know, following what made sense next and recognizing it and just, you know, not being afraid to say yes to Mm. that next thing. Mm. Or, or being Amen afraid to doing it that. anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, raising my hands. I'm I'm waving in the air. I'm doing a little test, <laughs> testify, girl. Because mm-hmm. that's it. It's following the thread. I mean, you 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 did the work. You stayed curious. You stayed open. You followed the thread. I, I love that. I mean, that's 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 how you do it, right? It never ends either, does it? No, no. <laughs> I'm following a thread right now. <laughs> 
it's not like you get there and you, you, you get through the thing and you're like, all right, I'm cooked. I'm ready to go. <laughs> wow. 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 And speaking of Brene Brown, like eventually you did her Derek lead training, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. want to hear all about that. I yeah. Her. Oh my gosh. Oh my She's gosh. amazing. Um, and so, you know, I, I actually was, because I was following her so closely, I wanted to learn from her. Right. And I knew she had had the certification program called Daring Way that was for therapists and pastors and people like that, but I didn't have the time and honestly, the money at that point to invest in it. So, but then I heard that she was going to do something similar for Dare to Lead to train facilitators to take this really amazing work on leadership out into the world because she and her team were doing it themselves um, in all these big companies, but they, they needed more people to do the work, right? So it was time for them also to train others to do it. And I was like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I remember putting my application in, like, of course I waited to the last day because that is me. Um, (laughs) but I waited, (laughs) I put my application in and within a month they had made their decisions and I made it. So I found out in January that I got in. And so the training was going to be um, there was three trainings. There was one in March, one in July, one in September. And I chose the one in July or June, sorry. Um, you know, booked all the trip and spent three days with her and her team in San Antonio. It was so hot. I just can't tell you how hot it was. Um, but it was amazing to spend three days with her and her team learning to facilitate the dare to lead processes while we were going through it ourselves. And it really comes down to self-leadership. So, you know, when I offer these trainings now to other people, I always tell them, I'm like, I'm not going to teach you the best way to run a team, you know, meeting. It's not about that. It's about self-leadership first. So be ready to look at yourself, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Um, it, it really is. And so watching her and her sisters and her team leading from a place of self-leadership through those three days and like how they set up the boundaries of you know, no photos and, you know, we're on our own break. Don't, don't rush us. You know, we need a, we need a moment. Right. To- go, go back to that. Cause I'm earlier when we were talking about this, you mentioned that Brene had set up boundaries that she was really good at setting boundaries. So go back to that. What was the no photos thing? What was that about? Yeah. So she said that, and you know, this is probably by many years of experience, um, one of the very first things we talked about was setting loving limits and boundaries. And she said, I would, um, I want you all to know that you're going to have a chance to have a photo with me from your table. Cause we did all of our work for those three days and as a table, like I was table eight, I think pretty much sure I was eight. Um, and she said, we're going to have a chance to have a group photo with your table at the end. So just, you know, no photos. It makes it weird. I'm your peer, I'm your colleague. And if, you know, I look up and I see someone flashing their phone and taking a camera, a picture, it makes it weird. And she's like, I don't want our time to be weird with each other. So no photos. Um, So, you know, we, we didn't do that. That was fine. And we were glad to understand what was okay. and What was not okay. That's what boundaries are. What is okay? What's not okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a break. We need our break just like you do. So we ask that you don't, you know, kind of rush us during the break fine, fine. We're not going to do that. So then I was in the bathroom and she comes out of the stall and I'm like looking down, I'm like washing my hands. <laughs> I'm like, don't make eye contact because <laughs> she's on her right. And where I'm like, mm, my eyes are already on. And she goes, you can say hello in the bathroom. It's okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I 
it's so nice to meet you. You know, so it was funny that she recognized that I was taking her boundary to like an extra limit right, um, right. and broke the ice and said, it's okay to make eye contact and say hello. Like that's, you're being ridiculous here in the bathroom. So, <laughs> so I just thought it was funny, you know, to see how she modeled the boundaries and how her team really modeled, you know, in a way that I think was super helpful for us. And it was just a fantastic three days because you can imagine the people in that room. And at one point I was feeling like, oh, gosh, I can't believe the human beings that are in this room. And she right. said Don't to remind us, remind me how many people out of how many apply applications. Got so, we had, so we had around, I think we had around 80 to 90 people in our cohort. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and I think that she said that was around 800 people, I think, who went through this at this point. I think at that point, it was around 600 or 700 Mm -hmm. um, because they've done a few extra things. But um, so, yeah. And she said, listen, you belong here. Like, it's almost like she could read the room. She said, you belong here. You were vetted and you were accepted and you are here for a reason. And it just completely broke the ice in the room. And I like literally wrote it down on a post-it note that said, you were vetted. you were accepted, you belong here, let's stop with that nonsense, you know, and um, it really allowed, I think, a lot of us just to open up and enjoy, not only enjoy the time, but really learn some really amazing skill sets that, honestly, learning all about the boundaries and everything was going to be immediately useful to me in ways I had not anticipated, so I'm really Mm -hmm. super happy that not only professionally that I went through that training, but personally as well. Um, Absolutely. Boundary setting is still something I, I struggle with. So just uh, incredible to, and I love, I love how, how she was able to read you and to clear, clearly state what those boundaries were to let everybody know. And then, you know, read the room to, she knew everybody's coming in with their, with their thing and feeling, you know, like imposters, right. Mm-hmm. She's just got the experience on that. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Um, so then, so because we're, we're, we're going down this path and so you finished your training with Renee and, and, and you told me like right after that, you, you had a significant personal experience. Yeah. I had all my, my whole year planned out, right. I was going to train with Renee and I was going to come back and start doing offering dare to leave, you know, trainings immediately, um, had it all planned out. And, um, the week that I came back, I had a mammogram. It was a diagnostic mammogram and that they saw something and then they did a biopsy. And within three days, um, I was told I had uh, breast cancer. And so that mm-hmm. changed everything. And That's I have to say is. that that time with her understanding how to say what is okay and what is not okay and what self-leadership means was just so valuable to helping me navigate the journey that we're still on really at this point, but those first early days of who gets to know this and who doesn't, mm. what do we need to understand for ourselves before we share this with other people? Mm. Um, because I was kind of trained, you know, t- and taught in my family structures that everyone had a right to know everything about you. Right. Mm. Uh, and that was not going to be the case with this. And so it, it was so helpful to me to have that training and that uh, personal knowledge about what was going to be okay for me and not okay for me to navigate over those next six months of just early stages. So, yeah. Did it yeah. help you as well in um, 
setting boundaries around your treatment with your doctors and different things like that? Because I know that that can be, I mean, it, I imagine it could be a little overwhelming to have some somebody suddenly telling you this and, and your brain starts to go everywhere. And there you are faced with decisions on how you're mm. going to manage this, right? Based on what yeah. they're going to recommend for you. And yeah, we had a really terrible example of what it means to tell someone they have cancer. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was an awful experience. Like it was just bad. Like the nurse was preoccupied, the systems were down. And, you know, if she gives me a book with a tab, like a, you know, sticky note outside of it and said this is the kind you have and we're going to set you up with a surgeon and my husband and I are looking at each other going what's going on <laughs> and she gives me a tote bag in this book and she says I will call you to schedule with your surgeon because the systems did are even, down did the doctor even tell you or no, talk to you? that's no. crazy it was a follow-up with a nurse to tell us what the results were the initial idea of what the results were but we wouldn't know what to do next um and so I walked out of there. We're both crying with a tote bag and we got in the car and he looked that at me. That is not and the I kind went, of swag you want to walk out with. No, because no. everybody knows what your swag is, right? <laughs> everybody out there knows what that swag's about. Oh my gosh. So we got in the car and Jason looked at me and he's like, what do we do now? And I said, I feel like they should at least given us a certificate to go get an ice cream cone or something because that was messed up. <laughs> Like, what do we do? I feel like we should go get ice cream now. Cause I, and I feel like we should have gotten like a coupon to do that or something. I'm like, this is so messed up. Right. Yeah. And so what we did is that weekend, you know, we're like, we're not going to think about this. We went to the beach and we're like, we're not going to think about this. There's nothing we can do about it. We are going to talk about other things. And it wasn't denial. It was a boundary. you like, yeah. we knew the next step was coming and we wanted to be in the moment without that next step being present for us. And so from then on, it was like, we told very few people for a very long time. And so there's mm -hmm. boundaries around what our doctor wanted us to do and the time frame because they want to get you in and get you going. And I was like, ho, 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 wait a minute. I need to process this a little bit first. Are you telling me that if I don't do this today, that I'm going to mess up my chances for survival? And they're like, no. And I said, so you're telling me you want to get me going though. And they're like, right. I'm like, okay, so we're going to take a step back, you know, so Good for those you. boundaries were super helpful in navigating that mm -hmm. and also navigating family and friends and who gets to know and when and how much and you know, all that. So yeah. Um, yeah. Whew, thank you, Brene. Thank you. Right. Wow. 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 Boy, that really is an example of how not to tell somebody that they've been tired. It was comical, but you know what it did in the moment wow. is it gave us someone to be mad at. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to come together and be mad at her. Right, <laughs> so. right. You know what? There, you know what? Yeah, yeah. That 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 can be useful, and it can be useful to have uh, some place to put anger. Um, mm -hmm. hmm. Yep. I'm okay, by the way, just for anyone who's listening. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. We got through it. So you got through it. And you said you're still you're still dealing with some of it. Is that right? Is that just going in for checkups? What is that? Yeah. So once you have the type I had, which is the triple positive, it and her two positive, it's a type, an aggressive type. Yeah. But mine was stage one. So and no involvement, you know. So they threw all the things at it, but um, so it requires screening. And so, you know, in a couple of weeks, actually, I'm going in for an updated screening. And so you're in, and one of the medications they want you to take long term, I couldn't tolerate. And so I'm kind of 
outside of the window of what they like for you to do, you know, post-treatment to keep it uh, for survivorship, they call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're there. Um, But yeah, you just kind of, it's not done because you are, they want you to get to five years without a reoccurrence for you to be considered out Mm -hmm. of the woods. And so Mm -hmm. it's a part of your life, you know, for many, many years. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, on a, on a much lighter, uh, level, I had melanoma on the bottom of my foot many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, similarly, you were reminding me that you, you know, you're like, okay, we're not going to think about it this weekend. My, I, you know, was going down the, the path of what ifs. And, uh, my husband is like, you know what, until we get the next bit of information, let's assume it's all good. Mm-hmm. let's just let's just assume the best until we know different and uh that was really helpful and then you know yeah. for me it was like a little you know they removed it um you know three months on crutches and and I was done I was I was mm-hmm. very lucky we got it really early um but yeah you, your mind will go down the path yeah right? I remember really early out because again we gave ourselves the space to think about okay so what does this mean to us right? They're going to throw everything at it. I had to go through chemo, radiation, the whole thing, which is unusual for a stage one cancer, but it's because of the type it was. Mm-hmm. And I, we had to get really clear and again, set that boundary emotionally and energetically around what it meant. And so what I would say to people once they started to find out and they would get very frantic about it. And I would say to them, listen, I am no closer to death <laughs> than you are, right? We're not guaranteed anything really not to be morbid, but mm-hmm you know, it, it, anything can happen at any time. So I don't want you to look at me and feel bad and think that I'm closer to death than you are because none of us are guaranteed anything. So let's just stay in this moment of this is something that I'm going through. It is something that can be dangerous. It's something that, you know, can, it, it does, it, you know, kill people every day, unfortunately, but so do, so do car accidents. So do uh, all the other things. And so we're not separate. We're not different here. It just looks different. Um, and so I, I just kind of reflected back to people. I'm like, mm, no, don't send that energy over here because we are the same in the fact that we have this moment and that's all we have a guarantee for. So like, look at your own life. Wow. Look at your that's own amazing. life. Amazing. What a great, what a great thing. How long was it before you got the, before you told people, how, how long did you take before you, you started coming out we, with it? Yeah. We sat with it for two weeks ourselves and then uh-huh. we d- decided who we were going to tell. And we Mm -hmm. told very, very, very close friends and family. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we started a, um, which one of those pages where you kind of update stuff. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, And we said to them, this is how we will update you. This is how we will update you. Right, man. I bet taking those two weeks was key in in being able to set, you set the first boundary by giving yourself time. And mm-hmm. then that time allowed you to figure out your game plan on how you were going to manage those boundaries going forward, yeah. right? Yeah. And we said to family, we said, listen, we are not your people to help you with this, right? We're going through our own version of this. So if you need support, if you need to, to manage your anxiety, or if you need to manage your fear that you're going to get it yourself, because I have sisters, we're not that for you. You need to go talk to a friend. You need to go get a therapist, like what, go get your own mammogram. We are not that for you. We cannot be that for you. Right. And so we were very clear about what was like, yeah, what was okay. What was not okay. And manage and utilizing us to process this. And it wasn't until October. How smart of you to even anticipate 
that thank that you Brene <laughs> well oh this my is gosh. When, you, when you do your when you do your own work around trauma and differentiation and boundaries and understanding the people in our lives who can handle things and who can't handle things you know it, it does give you some liberation of freedom from feeling like you have to tell them that they're not necessarily going to be the person that can support you through this and that they probably can't manage it. So I don't need to be a witness to what you're dealing with around this, my, my cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't until October when I was going to be in chemo, we knew it was going to be really hard, hard you know, kind of obvious at that point, what was going on that right. we told people at large. And I wrote a social media post that was pretty lengthy about what was going on and again what was okay and what was not okay that I don't need to hear from you that your aunt died of it or that your cousin survived it or what you know treatment worked for you or you know it was very clear about what I was here for or not here for um, yeah and even so people are people literally they're still going to slip through you're still going to have problems you know yeah. it still happens but yeah. yeah I think that people don't often understand that you have a right to your space your energy you have a right to tell or not tell like I could have gone through the whole thing and not told anybody it would still been my right to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Oof. so it's a big, big journey. Really, really, really. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you've come through it. And yeah, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're on this other side of things. It's amazing. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And my business loved me and supported me through the whole thing. So there's yeah. that too. Yeah. Um. So speaking, getting back to then the business, so then you, you go through that process, right? And you've got to just take care of yourself. Did you, did you step back from the business at that point? And I kept the clients I had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, all the dared lead trainings had to go on the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, I was already starting a group program at that point that was going to be eight months. And I let them all know. And I said, this is what's happening and it's happening as we are going to be starting this group. It was an eight month program. And I said, if you are not available for this journey, it's okay. You know, we will, and no, mm -hmm. no judgments. I will refund your money. You do not have to be here for this. I get it. Um, nobody did. I was also in a mastermind at the time where I said, if I, if I stay with this mastermind, y'all are going to see me through like literally through this journey are you okay with that because if you feel uncomfortable maybe you've had someone who's gone through it you can't hold space for it then I'm okay with with not being here for this and again they were there mm -hmm. um so that's all I did is I stayed with my group program and I saw the clients that I had at that time I didn't take any new people all the dared leave stuff went on the on the shelf for a while it was a very quiet time but even so I still had my business, it was still supporting me. I was still doing podcast interviews and um, I was lightly working on my book, you know, at the time. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it provided a nice little cocoon because I needed something to look forward to and I looked forward to my groups. Yeah, yeah, to, to have that connection with people, right? And, yeah. and keep thinking about something other than the big C mm -hmm. and the process and what's going on with your body. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. so important. Um, so with Dare to Lead and just, just like in general going forward now, um, you, how long has it been since you finished treatment? Um, let's see. So I had my last uh, radiation treatment in Baltimore the day before the lockdown. <laughs> 
So oh all, this is another thing. Like we were waiting. When we get done with this, we're going to travel. We're going to have a party. We're going to do all these things. And like none of that happened because literally we slid into a pandemic. It was, I've never had my post-cancer party. I turned 50 this year. No celebrations. Like I was like, ah. oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, you know, all that stuff you keep telling yourself you'll get to do when it's over. Like we're still waiting for that because of COVID. But wow. And then um, I imagine you was, was COVID a little freaky deaky for you? Cause then, then there you are with an immune oh, yeah. compromised system and, mm-hmm. uh, wow. yeah, we did nothing. We did not leave the house at, at all. We, and in fact, until we had groceries that were able to be delivered, we had friends dropping groceries all for us at that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. We're good now, but at, the, at that time, you know, it was a little scary because yeah. I was still immune compromised. So, yeah. so wow. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would say what, like that was a year and a half ago. That's the last treatment. Mm. Yeah. And here you are. Yeah. And, and what's, what's next? So you wrote a book. Mm-hmm. You got that out in the world, which is yeah. amazing. The book, How to Love Your Business, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Published that on, all, in April. Congratulations, man. Um, what, uh, what else is going on? Like, what have you done with Dare to Lead? Or what are you thinking about that? Or what's next? Yeah, it was so much fun because we I actually jumped in and we had a, a live Dare to Lead training planned that spring. <laughs> and we were having to regroup that as the pandemic was starting to happen. And so we took it online and we actually really loved it because it was designed to do in person, which is fun. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we then pivoted really quickly to do them online. And it's been really huge, uh, fun to do that because since then we've continued to do them online and not in person, because then we have people from all over who get to be in cohorts with each other, not just the local. So you shifted to online and embraced it. Amazing. Yeah. And we actually had, um, we were going to do one live here local in Lancaster. We had one scheduled to do, um, in the Atlanta area and also, um, was it Wisconsin or I can't remember somewhere in the Midwest and we had to shift all those. Right. And so all of those ended up being online. And so we did one, we did four dare to lead trainings in 2020. Wow. Yeah. Big ones. And so it really taught us a lot and um, it was a way for the people who are with us to escape what was happening. A lot of them Mm -hmm. said, this is three hours. I get to not think about the rest of it. Oh my Um, gosh. Yeah. 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 And so this year we did one in the spring, we're doing another one in the fall. So we've kind of seen like what works and what doesn't. And, um, and so we'll probably be doing two of them a year at this point. Um, But it's such a useful program because the tools that you learn, as you see, (laughs) whether it's, you know, leading a team or leading your business or leading yourself, you know, it's having a skill set and a framework to utilize in these really highly emotional situations I think is invaluable. So, yeah. Wow. Gosh, I'm so happy for you and, and so impressed. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, just completely bowled over by your resilience and, uh, yeah, the way you've tackled everything. Yeah. So yeah. if you were to, to, um, give advice to somebody who's, who's in the mat, in the middle of the feeling stuckness right now, what would be your first recommendation? Um, well, first of all, recognize that you're in good company because you're human. 
Um, and secondly, knowing that sometimes stuckedness has to do with a nervous system response and that um, your nervous system is trying to keep you safe and that that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also to understand that there's some information in the stuckedness, you know, to get a little interested in what is the, so if I'm feeling stuck, there's this thing I want to do, but I can't quite get there. What is it that, um, what is the fear? Um, what is it that I think will change in my life if I get to that thing? And does that change in my life if I get unstuck? Is it scary? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so start to kind of do some self-coaching or self-inquiry around what is the stuckness? What's the mechanism or the purpose of it? Because it's there for a reason. Is it to keep you safe? Is it to give you time to think this through? Um, is it because this is not what you're supposed to be doing? I think when we stop judging the stuck and look at it from a different way that we can get a lot of good information about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We do spend a lot of time judging ourselves, mm-hmm. don't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> guilty. <laughs> and listen to me using the word guilty right there. There's <laughs> a little judgmental term. <laughs> it's a biological imperative. I told some the other day that was, you know, mm-hmm. comparing themselves of like, don't beat yourself up for being in comparison. Like it is a biological function of like, okay, is this person stronger than me? You know, do they have more, do I need to align with them? Like our nervous system is just trying to keep us safe. And that, that is something that is normal to do. Right. Yeah. So then don't pile on to yourself about it and feel you know, guilty about it. Just say, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is what's happening right now and yeah. move on. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So great. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you reading right now or watching or binging or? Yeah. So I've been listening to Brene's podcast on the re the new edition of gifts of imperfection with her sisters. I heard the first episode of that. Yeah. I love you just hearing them. <laughs> just the, talk, the singing. Know. Oh my God. The Boz gags uh, guys, you got to go listen to this first episode <laughs> of this. Yes. Listening to yes. them all sing Boz gags was just killing me. <laughs> I know, (laughs) I know. And like, and seeing them, you know, when we were there training with them, like they work for her. So we would see all the sister dynamic and the business dynamic. Like it was just fun to watch that all happen. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm listening to. I also am listening to Martha Beck's latest book and I can't remember the name of it. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's her most recent when I'm listening to it on Audible. I'm going to have to look that up. Okay, cool. So Martha Beck's latest. Yeah, love her. Okay. And I'll try to get that name of that and put that in the show notes for folks. And I'll put the Brene Brown podcast. Um, is that on her Dare to Lead podcast? Because now she's got the two podcasts. She's got Unlocking Yourself and she's got Dare to Lead, right? And yeah, she has two podcasts. It's on the other one. It's not the Dare to Lead one. Okay, it's on Unlocking Yourself. I think it's on Unlocking Us, yeah. Unlocking us is that mm-hmm. am I getting the name wrong okay I'm looking us. um cool so I'll put links to those for people too what are you excited about that's coming up next for you yeah what I'm excited about is um my do no harm intensive we I've done two of them this year and they're they're really kind of a journey of understanding like first of all what trauma is how it impacts your business um the relationship you have with it. It looks at how your clients might be showing up with trauma, your employees, how that dynamic might be playing out. And also how you can do no harm as a business owner in your marketing and your sales processes, like all those things. Mm. So it's kind of a, a microcosm of what it means to be a trauma conscious you know, business owner or entrepreneur. Um, 
so we've done it twice and it's coming back again in the fall and I've really streamlined it and I've done some updates to it. I'm excited about, I have guest teachers who are coming in to teach. Um, so I'm really excited about that, that uh, part of my business, because I think that that is the foundation of my work. It's helping people do no harm to themselves and their business and the people who come in contact with them yeah. in their business. Um, and I've had people from artists to therapists, all people go through this because they want to become more trauma conscious as business owners. And you can be trauma informed as a therapist and still have no idea how it impacts business. And so I would love more therapists to go through my program wow. um, as well. So I'm excited about that. I, I can't wait. The teachers I have coming in are um, there's beyond. So. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That sounds exciting. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to think about that. Nicole. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, wow. So much. You are unstoppable. <laughs> so far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it so far. <laughs> well, at some point we're all going to be stopped. Right. As you, as yeah. you said, that, you know, all we're guaranteed is today, but, yeah. um, so admiring of everything that you've managed to do so far to, to get through, um, the challenges in front of you and, uh, and spread, um, you know, the help that you do through the world so generously. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. So my pleasure. Well, there you have it. Ah, setting boundaries. <laughs> I think that's my big takeaway from this conversation. Do you have trouble setting boundaries? I, I sure do. And and then, you know, I find myself feeling overwhelmed, overextended, and stressed out. I am slowly learning that when I say yes to something, I'm also saying no to something else because there are only so many hours in the day. I also think it's interesting that there could be some sneaky little T trauma playing out in the background and keeping me stuck in those old habits of people pleasing. I am learning though and getting a little better at setting boundaries every day. I started doing things like blocking off time in my calendar to work on projects, you know, the big projects that always seem to get pushed off. And that way I don't overbook myself in other ways. That leaves me the time to do the thing that I'm, I'm wanting to do, you know? Anyway, I'm for sure going to be picking up a copy of Nicole's book. Um, speaking of which, if you want to know more about Nicole, I will have that information for you in the show notes. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 70. And hey, while you're there, here's your reminder. You can also find a link to the sign-up sheet for your free guide, Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.